You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, across the country, more people are buying guns and joining gun groups, with the biggest jump among African Americans. I don't want to have to wait for someone else to come and advocate for me or be able to protect my home. Plus, a hidden history is buried just beneath the surface at Highland Park. I started walking towards uh, South Avenue and finding bits and pieces of human remains uh, along the way. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast. Audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full-service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at rocvox.com. Gun ownership is on the rise nationwide. And just in Monroe County, the clerk's office reported a 168% increase in gun permit applications over the last year. My colleague James Brown looked into this specifically at one group that has seen the biggest increase in interest, black gun owners. He has this story. Tucked between rows of corn and rural western New York roads sits the firing pin, a busy Genesee County gun range that's home to RAFA, the Rochester African American Firearms Association. We say this in our, in our firearms trainings all the time. Every day isn't a gun day. That's Paul Adele, a certified firearms instructor. He founded Rafa about a year ago. His group provides gun and self-defense training, mostly to African-Americans, like myself. The firearm is the last resort, and that's what we teach people. The best thing to defend and kind of combat the violence is using the mind and using the heart, and sometimes using the mouth, too. But for me, that day was a gun day. It started with a waiver and a crash course on firearm safety. Adele told me it was a Rafa tradition to recite the rules beforehand. Always treat every gun as if it's loaded. Always point the gun in a safe direction. Always keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Always know your target and what's beyond it. Yes. I'm sorry for sounding like a news guy. Hey, you're a news guy. (laughs) (laughs) Minutes later, I was on the range. Like a quarterback's throwing motion or a point guard's jumper, Adele advised me on the importance of repeating my approach with every shot. A half hour or so later, I got the hang of it. I even put a picture of the shot up target on my Instagram. And if data is any guide, moments like these are happening around the country. A lot. Gun sales have grown steadily throughout the decades, but have surged in the last 18 months for everybody. But the biggest jump is among black people. We're up about 60%, roughly 58 to 60% increase in black folks buying guns. That's Philip Smith. By trade, he's a software engineer. About seven years ago, he founded the National African American Gun Association. With around 40,000 members, it's believed to be the nation's largest black gun group. The pandemic was a game changer because that made people that were even anti-gun give me a call and say, Philip, what gun do I need to buy? Because I think there might be mob violence, there might be a shortage of food, there might be short of resources. 
I don't know if people are going to come through our neighborhood. We will have lawlessness in our community, so I need to buy a gun. The last year and a half has seen rapid change. Lockdowns, curfews, mask mandates, civil unrest, and a spike in violent crime in cities across the nation. In Monroe County, homicides and shootings are at their highest levels in at least 10 years. The city of Rochester saw its first riot in half a century. And there were months of protests over the death of Daniel Prude, a black man who suffocated while in police custody. Concerns about violence led to one of Rafa's first members' decision to join the group. Her name is Jasmine Barksdale. She says she was once afraid of guns, but decided to learn about them for her daughter's sake. And I want to be able to protect her. I don't want to have to wait for someone else to come and advocate for me or be able to protect my home. I need to be able to do that myself. Barksdale's not alone. Applications for gun permits in Monroe County are up dramatically. As of September, the county clerk's office reports a 168% increase year over year. Back at the firing pen, business is booming. When I visited, regulars say the range was short on materials like targets. Paul Adele says all of this is because people are now more aware of their vulnerability. And that likely plays a role in the growth of his group. But he insists that black gun groups aren't a fad, but rather the latest incarnation of a rarely acknowledged American tradition. For a long time, it's been a very silent group, but has always existed. And I think because of organizations like Rafa, people feel a little bit more secure in embracing that. James Brown is a reporter for WXXI News. A print version of this story is in City Magazine this month. Pick up a copy or check out the website, rockcitynews.org. Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. That's me. On the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News. Highland Park is a place for celebration. It's home to the Lilac Festival, one of Rochester's most iconic events. But it's also a place with a hidden history. So, several years ago, Gillian Condy was minding her own business in the park when she found out she was standing on a pile of bones. What happened was, I had been in this area just to come to the Lilac Festival with a friend who had a small child at the time. And right in this area, literally, was a pony ride with live ponies. And they had had an orange snow fence around that stone right there. And it kind of took me aback. There in the middle of the festival was a small bronze plaque attached to the face of a stone on the ground. It read, This plaque is dedicated to the men, women, and children whose unmarked graves were discovered here in 1984. They are believed to have been 19th century residents of the Monroe County Almshouse, Insane Asylum, and Penitentiary that occupied this site. The Monroe County Almshouse, Insane Asylum, and Penitentiary were three buildings that lined up along the side of South Avenue in the mid-1800s. 
all kinds of people ended up in these institutions, like the poor, seniors, people with disabilities, orphan children, and even criminals. Michael Keane wrote a book, Madhouse, that talks about the facilities. I think there was a, a misnomer, people today, believing that these were uh, hell holes and that people worked in there were monsters. That's just simply not the case. In a time before social services, Keene says these institutions provided housing and working opportunities for those people who might otherwise be homeless. They were common across New York State and the rest of the country. Residents and staff grew their own food, raised cattle, even sold goods at the public market. Uh, it's paradoxical, I guess, that one of the little industries that sprouted up was the manufacturing of coffins. Those coffins weren't just built to make a profit. People died in these institutions of contagious diseases, alcoholism, old age. And when somebody died... If there wasn't a family member there to pay for their tombstone, they would be buried in an unmarked grave. And actually, uh, typically in a mass grave. So we're standing in the cemetery. Brian Nagel is an archaeologist. He's standing on a small field in the park, tucked between the Vietnam Memorial and the Lilac Arches, a place now referred to as the Highland Park Cemetery. People come masquerade, they assume just bodies thrown in. This is a cemetery. It was intentional and organized. Nagel says this place is different from other old grave sites in other cities for a few reasons. But the big one is that no one knew it was here for almost a century. No records indicate its existence. So when a bulldozer doing landscaping in the park uncovered human skeletons in 1984, he and his team at the Rochester Museum and Science Center were called in to figure out where they'd come from. We came out, uh, we saw the cut along the edge of the hill that was up here and saw there were some human remains sticking out of the sand uh, that was there. And we started walking towards uh, South Avenue and finding bits and pieces of human remains uh, along the way. And there were many more still buried deep in the ground. Each had their own coffin, though some were stacked two, three, even four coffins deep. But they all had uh, shrouds on them uh, or buried with clothing. Uh, some had rosaries, uh, a couple rosaries were found. Uh, and then we found uh, German coins in some of the burials, some wedding rings, simple ones. Although records of the cemetery didn't exist, they did find records for people who had lived at the almshouse in the mid-19th century. People like Adani Rim Perkins, unmarried, died at 45 years old. Cause of death, leg amputation. We found one skeleton that had uh, his uh, legs amputated below his knees, uh, a, a large man, uh, mid-40s, uh, and there was no healing at all on the bone. So we were pretty sure that we found him there uh, in, in the ground. Most other remains were less easy to identify, so their individual identities are still a mystery to this day. Nagel's team uncovered just over 300 skeletons in the summer of 84. They were studied at the Museum and Science Center and later by the University at Buffalo's Anthropology Department before finally being laid to rest at Mount Hope Cemetery. But Nagel says they didn't get all of the bodies. He estimates there are still between six to 700 in the ground at Highland Park. They're under our feet, essentially. Anywhere from, it could be half a foot down, it could be down four feet. For Gillian Condy, it didn't seem right that the only thing memorializing these people was a plaque on a rock. Condy is a vice president at DePaul, a nonprofit that provides housing for people with addiction and mental health issues, as well as seniors and others in need. My, my entire career has been service. 
of our most vulnerable. I mean, that, that clearly this resonated with me as a person because that's my whole career of service. And it felt to me like, you know, we're not, we're not, we're disconnected from the fact that we have people here. And it just really sucked me in. So she and her colleagues decided to do something about it. They raised money through bake sales and small donations, found volunteers, and helped build the Remember Garden, a small space in Highland Cemetery with benches, pergolas, plaques, pavers, and landscaping all designed to pay respects to what happened here. It's been a place of real celebration ever since then. The Remember Garden was recently upgraded just this year with new construction and signage. And Condi says she's more proud of it now than ever. She says she hopes it can be a place where people will remember those buried here, but also remember that there are still vulnerable people in society. It seems to let this park play that dual role of a community celebration area with also a remembrance of our vulnerable and what has happened to our fellow citizen, which is really what is community, isn't it? I mean, the community is a combination of somberness and celebration. This story first aired a year ago, and since then, the Remember Garden has gotten another upgrade. Volunteers planted a garden there in the spring as part of a beautification project. You can read more about this place and its history at our website, wxxinews.org. And that's it for Earshot. As always, drop us a line at earshot at wxxi.org and tell us what you're thinking. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and tell your friends about us. Find more news at our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.